Thank you for listening to City Church of Orlando podcast. We're bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. Led by Pastor Eugene Smith. For more information, check out our website at orlandocitychurch.com. Here at City Church, would you turn your Bibles, if you have them today, to Psalms chapter 139, verse 7. 139 Psalm verse 7, and then uh, if you're with your spouse, maybe your spouse can turn to Second Chronicles chapter 5 verse 14, or have your kids turn there, or you could turn there, however you'd like to do it. You can put your thumb on uh, Psalm 139, and then also at Second Chronicles chapter 5, we're going to go back and forth between the two. Y'all with me today? Pastor Tom, that sounds good. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, our lead pastor is on a uh, two-month sabbatical. My name is, once again, my name is Glomo. I'm not the lead pastor here, but he is on his last week this week. So we have Pastor Eugene back with us next Sunday. Come on. We're excited, and uh, I'm ready, and it's going to be great. And then also, I have a couple announcements today. Uh, First of all, last Sunday... Uh, during our second service, which was just a powerful uh, time with God, we found out, I got a text message from our service coordinator, that a young man named Dennis Crater, that DJ is what we call him, uh, that he fell into a coma. Uh, if you were there in second service, we prayed for him. And uh, the, the prognosis, once he got to the hospital, was not good. He was not responding at all. Nobody had any idea what was going on. Uh, so we began to pray. And, uh, and then so all, all day Sunday, we didn't hear anything. We we're really nervous. And uh, our pastor, a couple of our staff went over and prayed with them in the hospital. Uh, we decided as a church, we said, you know what, we need to call a 911 prayer meeting uh, on Monday. So do we have a picture of that prayer meeting? And so within about three hours, whoever could make it, we sent out some bulk emails and just kind of that type of thing. We had about maybe 30 to 40 people come out. Now, this was so cool. We started praying and about 30 minutes into it. Uh, pastor gets a text message from uh, from Dan, from uh, Randy, which is which is DJ's sister. And he said he just woke up out of uh, out of the uh, out of his coma, and he's actually with us today. He's over here to the left and lifting his hand. Come on, and uh, DJ. It's one thing to say we love you, but I think we're proving it too. We really love you. And the way we feel about DJ is the way we feel about everybody at our church. Aren't you thankful? Now, do you hear me for a second? I know you want to shout because I want to shout. But I'm thankful for a church that's way bigger than just Sunday morning. I'm thankful for a church that when you're going through hell and high water, when, you, when the prognosis doesn't make sense, you got a church that's calling a 911 prayer meeting, getting their butt down here going, God, God change the situation. So there he is. His... Uh, this beautiful mug right there on the on the screen, and then also so that was uh, started out as a tragedy and ended up in a triumph. He's here today. Also this week, uh, our service coordinator uh, Linda Fowler, uh, her husband Bill, uh, they lost their father uh, last Monday, I believe. And so our, our hearts and our prayers are with them. And and uh, you can, if you know them, you can definitely extend your extend your love towards them. I want to pray over them today. Um, aren't you just grateful for our church? And can I just tell you, if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, we're real people, right? I mean, you know, it, all in any Sunday, somebody's having a great week and somebody else is not having such a great week. And either way, though, God's on the throne. He's working things out. And this is, I just want to tell you, if it's your first time, this is a great church to get planted into. Uh, and so I'm excited to preach to you today. Uh, I've entitled this message, Manifesting His Presence. 
Uh, and, and like I said, if it's your first time, you haven't been to church in a while, this is a great Sunday for you to come. I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about my passion and my heart for worship today. Are you all with me? You all ready? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you, God, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And now, God, today I pray that what you've downloaded in my heart, God, download it in our church. And God, I pray for every first-time guest today, God, that you would pour out your favor and your blessing upon every individual today. And Lord, we lift up the Fowler family to you. And God, we pray in this moment of tragedy that God, you would uh, be the peace that God, we cannot have. And I thank you that their relationship with you will get them through any any trial or tribulation. Lord, we just speak your blessing over the Fowler family and we rejoice over the recovery of DJ today. And Lord, we just have great expectation for what you're going to do in this house today. And everybody said... Amen. Psalm 139. Are you there? All right. I'm going to read it, and uh, then I'm going to read Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14. Then I'm going to explain our two um, uh, whiteboards up here. Psalms 139 says this, God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are also there. Sounds good. That's an amen verse, right? That talks about the, the omnipresence of God. He is everywhere all the time. Now, now uh, flip over to Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14. They're rebuilding the temple, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory, the presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, here's my question today. If, if one passage is saying, God, where can I go from your spirit? In other words, there is nowhere I can go from your presence. That is one passage here. That's an amen. But then another passage in the Bible says, but the presence of the Lord filled the temple. In other words, apparently his presence wasn't there before or else it would have already filled it. Are you following me? So my question is, what do you do about this? One says that your presence is everywhere. Another one says that the presence filled the room. And my answer is that there is a difference between God's presence being around us than his presence being manifested in, through, and upon us. Church, we do not just need the omnipresence of God. We need the manifestation of God in our lives. This is what we are after. In fact, heaven is not about not going to hell. Heaven is about seeing and being with the ever-presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? Is that not amazing? And so, so we are after manifesting His presence. Now let me give you a few definitions today. Can you handle this? Can I give you some defined words? You can write it on your spouse or whatever you'd like today. The word manifest means this, to display or show by one's acts or appearance. Simply put, it means to make known. To make known. Uh, you know, a, a, a celebrity would go to, uh, let's say, Disney or go into a public place, and typically they'll put on a hat, they'll put on glasses, they'll try to stay really low, unless they want to make themselves known. Right? They would manifest their presence. They were there, you just didn't notice it, and now all of a sudden they were they've made themselves 
made themselves known. Let's go to the next definition just to bring some defined words today. Presence literally means the face of God, the person of God, the actual presence of God. I, I don't know if you remember, but when Jesus was on the cross, the way that Jesus was able to take our sins, the way that the sin was able to, to come upon him was that, if you remember in the text, the Bible says that God turned his face from his son, and at that moment he died. He could not die until the presence of God was not upon him. That was the only way that was possible. That's what it means. The, 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 so when we say things like, man, God, we seek your face. We seek your face. That, that sounds weird, doesn't it? We seek your face. Say that to your wife. You know, I seek in your face. Right? But, but it makes sense when you actually, when you actually understand uh, what the word presence means. We are seeking the face, the presence, the glory of God. The last definition I want to give you today is, is glory, which literally means weight or the heaviness of God. You know what I'm talking about. There, there's a weight. There's a glory that falls. It's manifested. It's made known. It's amazing, is it not? Which kind of brings me to my first uh, even point today, if you want to call it that, is that there is nothing, church, like the presence of Jesus in our lives. There is nothing like it. I love doing youth ministry, uh, and I'm excited to be back in the pulpit next week with him. Um, and I love doing youth ministry because guess what? The club can't compete with what we have. Hello. There's no drug that can, that can compete with the presence of God. There's no, there's no high. There's no sexual relationship. There is nothing that, that, that can compete that is like the presence of Jesus in our lives. I was talking to somebody in our small group this week that Natalie and I have, and it was a young couple. And I asked them, I said, how did you guys come to church? And she said, well, there was this one person that kept bothering us every single week. So I looked at my, my husband. And I said, you know what? We just got to go there. Let's just say we'll hate it and then we'll leave, right? <laughs> and uh, so they came and they said, they said, we came to God because we walked into this place. And there were so many people that were just hungry for God's presence. And we could literally feel his presence. Some of you have been Christians so long, you're numb to it. Uh, but, but those that come from the outside, when you're first and you come into this place, you're like, oh, my goodness. This is amazing. Drug addiction just kind of goes away in his presence. Sin goes away in his presence. People that were debating the faith and debating whether the validity of God. And and guess what? When they just get in his presence, it just starts to kind of make sense, doesn't it? All of a sudden, things just begin to line up when you get into his presence. There's nothing like the presence of Jesus. Psalm 16 verse 11 says it like this. God, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. That fullness comes from a Hebrew word that literally means in excess. It means so fulfilled that you are overflowing with fulfillment. It's like you're so fulfilled that you're throwing fulfillment on other people because you got too much. In your presence is the overflowing fullness of joy. In his presence, church. At your right hand, God, your, your pleasures are forevermore. Psalm 84, verse 10, one of my favorite verses. He says, God, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Well, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in anywhere else. In other words, God, I'll sit outside if I have to. I just want to be near the presence what he says. I just want to be where you are. I just want to be hungry and seeking after you. 
Exodus chapter 33, Moses says this. God, Moses says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, count me out. Man, we need some more people just to say that, huh? Lord, I'm trying to raise these kids. God, I'm trying to figure this out. God, I'm trying to do this. God, I'm trying to make this thing happen. But the truth is, God, if your presence doesn't go before me, I can't do this. Lord, we need your presence to lead us and to guide us. And the beautiful thing that I love about God is that he does. Every single person in here that wants the presence of God in your life, you will get the presence of God in your life. It is open access. It is the beauty of the cross. It's the beauty of his glory. It's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. I wanted to bring you to another passage of scripture. I wanted to give you some scripture today. Y'all with me? Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk said this when he prophesied. He said, his glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Worship, right? His splendor was like sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. There is power hidden in the presence of Jesus. Did you know that? I mean, it's one thing for us to say that, but we need to see it in Scripture. Church, there is power in His presence. Many do not see the power of God because many do not seek the presence of God. As if we can manifest it on our own, as if we can conjugate it on our own, as if we can five steps to success it on our own. I tell people all the time when they're going through trials, I said, listen, you don't need a hundred words from God, you just need one word from God. He speaks one word over your life and all of hell has to, has to move. His presence shows up in one form or fashion. It, everything is going to change in your life. And that is the beauty of being in the presence of God is that is where that power, the power is. So the question is, what manifests the presence? Because here's the truth. God can manifest himself whichever way he wants to. We see it in, in, the, in the book of Exodus. We see it with Moses. Right? He, God came to Moses at, with a burning bush, didn't he? Moses didn't earn it. Moses didn't seek it. God simply chose to manifest himself. But the truth is, is that God teaches us how to manifest his presence when we want his presence. And it's found in two words, church. It's found in true worship. I was going to say worship. But I felt like that we would equate worship with just singing some songs, with just, with just uh, and in fact, the Gospels goes on to say, Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He looked at the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and he says, listen, one day is going to come where people are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. There's a true worship that, that God is after. Does it, is it about song? Absolutely. Should we lift our voice? Absolutely. Should we sing hymns? Absolutely. The Bible tells us to. But at the end of the day, it is true worship to God. Let me give you a couple more scriptures because I just want you to have this. You can teach your kids later or something. James chapter 4, verse 8. We learn a lot about worship in this passage. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's pretty simple. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Can I just break this passage down just for a second? He's talking about true worship is, is, is passion. It's desire for God. Listen, you need to have a, a, a burning desire for God. The Bible, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, he says, don't let the fire be quenched. Don't let the fire become stagnant. We need to be seeking God in our lives. Don't ever get comfortable with your relationship with God. Then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Purity. 
draws God. And I love the last one. It says you double-minded. What is he saying there? He's saying a, a single-minded focus on God is powerful. A single-minded focus on God. Draw into him. Matthew 18, verse 20 teaches us that unity draws worship. He says where two or three are together in my name. Not divided, but together in my name. There am I with them. Is that not just amazing? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need faith to have true worship before God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God will reward you for earnestly seeking him. I love that today. I want you to know there is power in your worship. Because your worship ushers in. It manifests the presence of of Jesus. Can I can I prove it to you just a little bit more with some more scripture? I just want to plant this into your into your heart today. Acts chapter 16. Uh, we, we see Paul at the midnight hour. How many of y'all have ever been in a midnight hour? Come on. What does Paul and Silas do? They said, while at that midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the earth and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Come on. Then he goes on, he says, At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, he said, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household, come on, his little ones, his precious little ones, his babies, everybody, the whole household was baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy, that joy that we're talking about, that excess, that fulfillment of joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his household came to believe in God because two men, which were in the midnight hour in the slums of a prison that were entangling them, that were, that were keeping them back, they decided to worship. They decided to sing hymns. Come on, there's power, church, in your worship. I don't know what chains might be in front of you. I don't know what shackles you might be in. But I'm telling you what, all those chains are there for the enemy to try to stop you from worshiping. But when you get a worship in your heart, when you become a worshiper, I'm telling you what, the very foundations that are entangling you are broken because of the presence of God being manifested in your life. There's power in your worship. I wanted to bring you to, but many people know about that passage. I want to bring you to Job chapter 1. I just want to read one verse. If many of you know the story of Job, he had everything. The, the escalade, the whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had all the money. He had all the reputation. He had an amazing family. He had exactly what he needed. And he loses everything. In one day, the Bible kind of makes it out like in one hour. He had four different messengers come back to him. You should read it this, this week in Job chapter 1. Four different messengers come back to him and they said, hey, all of your livestock, they're all, they all got consumed. Hey, the other livestock you had, uh, the, the, an army came and invaded it. Hey, uh, your, you know, your, your, your daughters were over here. They were feasting. Somebody came and killed all of them. Hey, your son's over here. Somebody came and killed all of them. Could you imagine? 
going from everything and in one hour going to nothing. And listen to what he does. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in what? Mom, Dad, a, a father should never have to bury their own kids. Job's, Job's on to something here. The very he, Listen, he complains later, if you read the rest of Job. It's not that he never complained before God. The very first thing he did in tragedy. Could you imagine him? God, what is going on? I mean, ready to curse, ready to whatever he could. And the very first thing he does is worships. There is power in your worship. Matthew chapter 4. I could go on and on and on. Jesus, uh, The devil tempts Jesus. What does he do? He comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, I'll give you everything. I'll give you, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I have control over that. He says, if you'll get down and worship me. Because the devil understands that there's power in your worship. There's power in your worship. And church, I'm here to tell you, the greatest place that we can see the presence of God manifested in our lives is right here on Sunday morning. It's right where the saints and sinners, all of our issues, all of our junk, we come together and seek God with a central focus of wanting and desiring His presence. There's no greater place. Place. I, I want to. I want to read with you Second Second Chronicles chapter five, which is where we got this this uh, saying over here. I want you to imagine this with me as we're as I read this to you. The temple has just been built, and they're like, man, let's get together and let's worship. Call everybody. Call your mama. Call everybody you can. It doesn't make a difference. Anybody that's got a voice, get them in here. Get the musicians. Get the trumpeters. Get everybody. This is what the Bible says. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judethan, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen. They were playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. It was probably really loud. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. That was probably loud. I remember one time we used to have a trumpet player up here, and it was just too loud. We couldn't even hear the sanctuary. We couldn't even hear the, the, the worship from everybody else. It was just too loud in the room. 120 trumpeters. I couldn't even imagine that. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison. They were in unity. Hey, we kind of get in unity sometimes too, don't we, when we're singing a song. As with one voice, to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices to God, and they sang with one voice, He is good, and His love endures forever. The Bible says, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with that cloud goes on to say, and the priests could not even perform their service anymore because of the glory. Because the presence of God was not just around. The presence of God began to be made known because a group of people started manifesting His presence by lifting their voice, singing a song. Most of them probably couldn't sing. Most of you can't sing. I hear you. I'm just joking. (laughs) He doesn't make a difference. He's good. Can I tell you what's even crazier about this? This was in the old covenant. This was in the covenant of law. They're sitting there, God, you're good. You're amazing. Guys, we have Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
They don't even have the revelation of Christ yet. We have Jesus. Now we're in a covenant of grace. And now Jew or Gentile, hello, that's most of us today, now can come before God. And now the Bible says that when, that when Christ went to the cross for us, the Bible says the veil was torn. That veil separated the presence from the people. But because of Jesus, now every single person in here can actually have the tangible presence manifested in your life. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for our church. And this is why the the writer of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says this. He says, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Church, there's power in your worship. Let me be really clear. If there's one thing I want to be known for, it's not a great preacher. It's not a great husband. Those would be great. I'm cool with those. I want to be known as a worshiper. The greatest thing you can be known for is a worshiper. Your worship will manifest his presence. Now, let me break this down very, very practically. Get here on time. There are some, and I, you almost just have to preach this message like once a year. There are some that think that the four songs before the message is some type of entertainment for the message. Can I be really clear? This is a worship service. The number one reason why we showed up today is not to hear a word. Despite popular demand, the number one reason why we showed up today is to worship Jesus. That's right. Because we don't serve a God that's dead. We serve a God that's alive. That's why we call this a celebration service. That no matter what hell I might be going through, no matter if I'm Job losing everything, or if I'm in the, in the, in the valley, or if I'm at the mountaintop, He gets my worship because He, this is a worship service. Come on. I want to challenge you today with everything in you. We're going to take the last 15 minutes in this place. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? And I want to encourage you right where you are to manifest the presence of Jesus in your life. Worship team. You guys, you guys can come, man. Let's be known as a worshiping church. Let you be known as a worshiping family, as a worshiping spouse, as a worshiping kid. Listen, you don't like the song? Get over it. If it's too loud, get over it. If it's too quiet, get over it. If you if you don't like your neighbor, if they didn't wear B.O. or they got B.O. and they didn't wear deodorant, I don't know, get over it. Come on. Let's give God a sacrifice of praise. Are you with me? Come on, let's, I want to pray over you and then let's, let's worship today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that God, what you've downloaded in my heart, just as I prayed earlier, that God, you would download it in our church. God, be pleased with our worship today. And God, we ask that you would fill this place and do what we can do. Come on, would you lift your voice and let's join Pastor Thomas. He's saying, Church of Orlando podcast. We're bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. Led by Pastor Eugene Smith. For more information, check out our website at orlandocitychurch.com.